listen to understand, not to respond. And Hannah was that type of person that would listen intently to what you're saying. And that's something that I've, I've tried to do more because sometimes we're not great at it. I've tried to do that more because I don't, I don't want to miss the little things because it's, it's the little things, the little conversations, the little memories that I don't want to miss. Hey y'all. Welcome back to I've Been Better. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Happy Monday. It's officially springtime, and I know I keep referencing that, but I'm just so glad it's officially springtime. We are local to North Carolina, and for anyone that is a North Carolinian or has spent some time here, there's a thing called false spring, (laughs) which is where we think it's spring for about a week or two, and then it gets freezing and cold again, and if you have plants outside, your plants die. So we are officially on the upswing to actual spring, which is a really good sign for us. Very exciting. On today's episode, I have one of my best, best, best friends, and she is part of this threesome that we have referenced in another episode, and this is Tori. So welcome, Tori. Tori Aldrin, also (laughs) known as Tori Loveland. Tori's married, so maiden name is Loveland, so you may hear us refer to her as either of those names. But so a little bit about Tori. On the professional side, Tori is an (laughs) office manager at a tech firm here in Raleigh. She is also my fellow cat mom. So her and I bonded over our love for cats. Her cat's name is Albus. My cat's name is Niles. And they both grew up together. And we have so many cute, cute pictures we'll have to share of them loving each other and growing up with each other. She is a fellow plant lady. And she has been a big, big part of my life. I can remember when we met. So Tori and I also (laughs) became friends from the gym. This is a growing theme within this podcast. And a lot of y'all will hear that many of my closest friends and the people in my life that will maybe one day be guests on this podcast came from working at the gym at NC State University. And initially, I actually was closer friends with Tori's husband, Stephen. He was my manager when I first started my sophomore year and then I got introduced to Tori they were dating at the time and I got introduced to Tori that way and I can remember that Tori was not my biggest fan for a little (laughs) while and then time has just proven that the closer we get the better we actually got along and now we've been best friends ever since then so maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that later but welcome Tori hello what's up thanks so much for being here today what else do you want to add about like, is that do you agree with my perspective of how we became friends? Yeah. I mean, it I, I kind of remember why it like our friend, it he had a crush on you. You know, and then, you know how work relationships go. And, and he was my bud. And then it's yeah. like, can't mess with my homie. And then, <laughs> yeah. It, and then you were like, wait, I want to be her homie. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah, boys are stupid. I mean, we know that. Oh, yes. So that was about 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. And as I've said before, you know, lifelong friends at this point, we lived together through college. And then we lived together after college, after Mm -hmm. you were married. And now we're here. So I think we've lived together more than we haven't. And even if it wasn't living in our own home together, we also lived in the same apartment building Mm -hmm. for two years. (laughs) Well, and that that's it's a revolving door. Everybody's coming in and out. So absolutely, yeah. we we yeah. Have, really haven't been apart until now. Yeah, which is really interesting. You know, I remember when 
so you, you and Stephen bought a house back in 2019. Yes. I don't know why I had to think about it. So I far. know. Well, time, who knows what day it is anymore, basically. But I remember when y'all bought the home, you're, you kept being like, oh, well, you're going to live with us, right? Like, <laughs> like you're, there's going to be a room for you. Do you want to live with us? You had a whole floor. I had a whole floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the whole basement to myself, which was nice. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about yourself, what I miss. I think you got most of it, but yeah. I mean, I've, I grew up in Youngsville, so I've pretty much been in Raleigh all my life. Uh, yeah. I went to state, met Stephen the third day of college, and I've never left Raleigh after that. Yeah, college sweethearts. Except to travel. But that's, that's uh, sure. pretty much it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about how you and Stephen met? <laughs> uh, let's see. Convocation, the freshman get-together thing at NC State. We, I went there with my friends, and we had to go on the... I think they called it RBC Center at the time. Mm-hmm. And you had to go down there and play stupid little get-to-know-you games. <laughs> and Icebreakers. Yeah, it was weird. But um, they asked everybody to get a partner. And I was looking around and saw this, like, Justin Bieber, old Justin Bieber <laughs> hair bro with, like, a gym backpack. And uh, he was very attractive. So I asked him to be mm. my partner. And then we just never switched. And then we went to the top to go out of RBC, and he's, his tagline was, yo, girl, can I get them digits? Wow. So smooth. Well, I mean, you did, clearly, but <laughs> it, <laughs> it worked, worked out. <laughs> it did work. Yeah. And then here we are. Y'all mm-hmm. got married in 2016. Mm-hmm. And so it's been almost five years now. Yeah. It'll be five years in May, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Since it's been... Like 12 or 13 that we've been together. Yeah. That's a long time. So Stephen and Tori have been a big part of my life. I've, like I said, have lived with them. They've, Tori and I lived together with our other close, close friend, Jess, and through our college careers and after college. And then we've been a part of our adult, quote unquote, after college life as well. Yep. And we've been through quite a few things. So when I was talking to you about wanting to start a podcast, you know, I'm obsessed with podcasts. I listen to like 25 different podcasts, always talking about podcasts. And I said, hey, I think I'm going to start a podcast and this is going to be the premise. I want to hear about people's stories. And I think all of our friends have such amazing things that have gone on in their lives or deserve to share with the world. What did you think about that? I mean, I was excited because I, I knew that, I mean, you were hard on this. You wanted to do it so bad and you... Obviously, when you have a goal, you get it come hell or high water. So, I mean, it's just it's been really fun to see how it's evolved. And just for listening to the first episode, I was so pumped for you and just excited. It's really surreal to have it happen. Because yeah. I talk to you all the time, but to hear in that like super professional capacity, it's <laughs> like it. It's just, you know, it's as a friend, it's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel when I came to you and said, hey, you know, it's going to be called I've Been Better. I'd love for you to be on. I want you to think about a time where you've been better because over the last 10 plus years that I have known you, I know there's been handfuls of times where you've <laughs> absolutely been better and yep. I've been there with you through them. Yep. What has come to mind for you? I mean, I had a couple things that I was thinking about. Um, I pretty much knew what I wanted to talk about from the jump, but I was like, well, I could talk about like family issues because mm-hmm. I've had a few and like, you know, marriage is hard. Yeah. 
So it's going to think about talking about some of that, but then I, I, I finally settled on what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So what comes up for you right now when you think about when you've been better? I mean, uh, just to put it out there plainly, when our friend Hannah died. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's been about a year in May. Yeah, which is, again, as you mentioned not mm-hmm. too long ago, that it's crazy to think about. And I know we're using that term in an ableist way, but, you know, it's, I can't believe it's already about to be May 2021. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a hard year. I mean, yeah, we can point to all the COVID signs and it's been shitty. It's just been a shitty year. And that was the, I mean, it was in the middle of it, but still that just like, really? Really? Can you yeah. fuck us any harder? Like- <laughs> right. Well, and it was so out of the blue, right? And yeah. During the time that I've known you and we've been friends, Tori has had deaths of young people yep. due to drug overdoses, accidental losses of life, and death in general has been a presence in both of our lives. Yeah. And yet it sounds like for you with how close Hannah was to our immediate life and our friend circle, this one has hit really hard for you. Yeah. It, I mean, you never, you never know how any death is going to hit you, but like you said, I've had a lot of friends die uh, from Youngsville specifically uh, from high yeah. school. And then that's, that's been easier to deal with. It sounds so bad to say, but it, it seems like it's been easier to deal with those deaths than this. Like even family members, I never want anybody to in my family to die, but well, I'd hope. No, I mean, you know, you might have that one uncle, but you know. We all got one uncle. But um <laughs> yeah, it just it's been really really tough because it was so sudden. Yeah. And I think one of the hardest things was getting the phone call from her dad. Yeah. You know, I can imagine that when you said that so many thoughts and feelings and memories came flooding back for you because it sounds like we're saying a year that really hasn't been that long ago no right that you got a call that you know and and I'll I'll share this part but I'm not Mm -hmm. going to take away from you sharing this part of your story here that we had just seen this person yeah less than 24 hours ago and then it sounds like you got this call that they weren't on earth anymore yeah we uh the day that she died we a couple of us girls got together a couple people that have been on this podcast and we got baby pools and distance y'all remember when that was cool right that was the height of it was summer it was getting warm we could go outside and be away from each other socially distanced so the baby pool trend oh yeah i was in target just like snatching those bitches up and (laughs) i looked insane but why does she need five baby pools? I was very excited. And we all brought our own little coolers and snacks. And it, it was just really fun, simple and fun. Didn't do anything crazy. Didn't spend a lot of money. We just sat there and talked to each other mm-hmm. and we hadn't been able to. Yeah. How long had it been since you had seen Hannah? I think a month or two. I mean, we talked. Well, no, no, no. Um, Stephen's birthday was oh the week before. And he had his COVID parade. Yes. Uh, also, fun time. <laughs> yes. It, I mean, you got to find something. And she came by. She couldn't come to the parade, but she came by just to bring him cookies. Mm-hmm. So 
And that, that was a really caring gesture. And then we all hung out. And then we were all getting ready to leave. Because, yeah, like, we were having some seltzers. But, like, yeah, super white girl. <laughs> but we we weren't going for the goal. We were just trying to see each other. Because mm-hmm. that was something we couldn't do before. Yeah. And then most of us left. And she stayed just to hang out for a little bit. And ended up going to some fucking party. Mm-hmm. With some, I mean, I'm just going to say it, shitty people. People that were not nice to her, that did not care about her and her feelings. And she ended up in a bad situation. They would not let her leave. Or they, I don't think they physically barred the door, but like, no, no, girl, don't leave. Yeah, Allegedly, from what we know, there yeah, was I mean, something I'm, that I'm went down. I'm not spitting straight facts, I'm sure, but right. it's what I know. Uh, they, there's... She just got in a bad situation. And it ended up costing her life. Yeah. We weren't there. Don't fully know what happened, but it, from what we've been able to put together from parents, police reports, people that were there, it, it seems like she was in a shitty situation. She already struggled with her mental health and she felt like she couldn't get out. Mm -hmm. Because initially what we heard was that she killed herself. Mm hmm. That she fucking jumped off of a building. Yeah. And like, how am I supposed to process that? Like, how am I? It, I yeah, don't talk to understand. us a little bit about you mentioned at the top of this that you got a call yeah. that your friend had died. What was that like? And you can share as much as you feel yeah. comfortable with and as much as you don't about details of that. But for anyone who's ever experienced that call or we hope that you never have to experience it, but unfortunately death will take us all. So someone will get that call at some point in your life. What yeah. was that like? I mean, the last thing I know or knew she was fine and she was going to go home. And then I, I don't even remember what time it was, but it was in the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, we had and plans. We were yeah. supposed to go social distance outside at a picnic. Oh yeah, yeah. We were supposed to go to a picnic. So it was like, you know, mid morning. Mm-hmm. And, her dad called me. I, I mean, Tim's a cool dude. And I, we've gone to, you know, football games with her family. But we don't chat on the regular. So for him to call me, I knew something was wrong. Immediately looking at my phone screen, I knew something was wrong. When you're someone that this is part of who you are, you know, I get nicknamed Mama Sue's. And yet you are somebody that always has your phone on loud. You are always somebody that will answer the phone and pick up the phone and respond to a text if somebody may possibly need something. I'm terrified that I'm going to miss a phone call that like like that. I'm mm-hmm. terrified that. So this just reaffirmed your fears. Yeah, it did. And I got real weird with all of y'all for a while. It's like, if, if you call me, it, I was just freaking out mm-hmm. with every phone call. I was like, mate, tell me you got home safe. But I was way more serious about it. Because I, I'm just afraid to miss a phone call that somebody is dead. Yeah. Because, well, because it's ha- it happened. I've gotten so many of those phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not to jump around a lot to wanting to let you finish yeah. what you're talking about right now with that call from yeah, our friend from Hannah's dad. And then we may be able later to jump back into yeah. the fact that you've gotten multiple of these calls before. Yeah. It's super fun. Uh, but yeah, Tim, Tim called me. He was eerily calm. I can imagine he was in shock. Yep. He just 
he was like, were you with Hannah last night? I was like, yeah, we were, you know, baby pools, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, well, she went to a party and apparently something happened and she's dead. And he went into it a little bit more, like saying that she killed herself. She jumped. And I, I didn't know what the fuck to do. I just started like, I just started shaking. That sounds like a reasonable response to have to hearing that somebody you just saw less than 24 hours ago was dead. I was trying to keep my shit together because her father is being more calm than me. Telling me that, you know, his baby girl is dead. Mm-hmm. And I, I just didn't know how to handle it. And I, when I got off the phone with him, I just broke the fuck down. Mm-hmm. And I like the first thing I did was turn to Steven. It was like, is this my fault? Mm-hmm. Because I was there. Like we were, we were all there. Like, should I have asked her to come hang out more or, or that night? Was there anything that I could have done to prevent her death? Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's not, it's not about me, but I felt responsible in some way. Mm-hmm. We, I know I'm not, but that was my first thought. I was like, is this my fault? Mm-hmm. Could I have done anything else to prevent whatever the fuck that was? Mm-hmm. And eh, you can't. No, when it doesn't seem real. You'd like, you know, what do we say about humans, right? We don't really like the gray. We don't like this idea that bad things can just happen. Somebody has to be held accountable. Something has to be held accountable. And so your mind's trying to make sense of what has happened. And so you ask yourself, what could I have done? Mm -hmm. Was there anything I could have done? That's a very reasonable and natural thing for anybody to do when there's been an untimely death. Well, and then, you know... We, we have questions. We all have questions like, what happened? Why did this happen? So we all go into detective mode. And it, it didn't help. No. It didn't make anything better. Because we just found out more gruesome fucking details. Yeah. About. Yes. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah. It. I mean, there's some small satisfaction in knowing, but. That, that's it. It's yeah. very small. To just to know what, what she was going through yeah. as much as you can. What was your relationship like with Hannah? Uh, we met in 2017. We, yeah. won't, we won't fact check you. You're fine. Uh, I, my memory <laughs> is shit now because I'm getting old. Uh, it just We met in 2017 at Weatherby. We both worked there um, as sales consultants. Yeah. So we went to training in Utah, which was super Mormon, <laughs> but fun. We, we found where the beer was. Yeah. And we also went to Florida. That was a shit show, but it was, it was so much fun because you got to, yes, learn the job, but like memories that'll last forever. I think in Utah, all of us drank a lot of champagne in an Uber on the way to Park Hill and Ran up the old Olympic ski jump. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It was very irresponsible. <laughs> Looking back. But, yeah, it, it, was, it was fun. So from the jump, meeting her, she is a very straightforward person, very committed to what she wants. She wanted to be the CEO of the, of the company. And she said that from day one. I was like, okay, cool. Want to be friends? <laughs> 
Like, okay, you have a persona that I want to be around. Oh, she was, she was a strong ass woman. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's attractive in a friend. And we just started hanging out. In general, I introduced her to all of my, my Raleigh crew because she went to Elon mm-hmm. and grew up close to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So she didn't have a lot of friends here. I was like, well, I've got some. Like, I'm willing to share. Yeah. You're good at that. You're good yeah. at sharing your friends. Like, like we've all said, I can talk to a brick wall. This and- <laughs> is true. If we haven't said it before, Tori can yeah. talk to this inanimate, inanimate pillow in front of her if she had to. Yeah. If you give me enough time, I will. <laughs> I entertain myself very easily. But she and I, we were just instant friends. She never questioned me about anything, really. She was always like pumping me up about pretty much anything because I, I can be super insecure, especially about j- my job. I get super imposter syndrome is, with the sales role specifically. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. going to fucking fail. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't. She didn't want me to think like that. She never let me. She's like, girl, you got this. And like, do I? <laughs> like, I don't know. But OK, if you say so. Yeah. But she she was always in my corner. And I think she played that role for a lot of people in the friend group as they got to know her. Mm-hmm. It, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to lose know, somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it very well that there's always this debate between would it be better to know and have warning that somebody will die? Or to lose somebody, and I say that loosely because they didn't run away. We didn't lose them, but (laughs) to have somebody die instantly without warning. I don't, I don't know. I think both are equally terrible, but I guess I would like some warning. At least you can prepare. You can try. Like, yeah, you can say all the things that you would want to say to that person and there's, you can try to have no unfinished business, mm-hmm. but she just, and like, you know, I don't mean this to be funny, but she just dipped out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she was here one minute. Yeah. And then she wasn't. Yeah. It was instant. And just, it was super hard to process. And like we talked about earlier, yeah, a lot of people have passed in in my life but I did I couldn't handle this yeah yeah talk to us about I I lost my mind yeah I because I was we were so we were so close we traveled the world together literally yeah (laughs) Uh, that was a lot of airports yeah I I did for for a couple days I didn't move off the couch I I just kind of sat there and stared mm-hmm. and alternated between like crying and being pissed off and trying to talk to, I mean, thankfully people reached out, but trying to field those questions and. Yeah. Cause you became the center point, yeah. the point of contact for the Raleigh yeah. sector. Of yeah, friends. exactly. And that's a lot. No one ever wants to put that on another person, but it is a lot of pressure to have on top of you while you're grieving and processing the death of a friend. I wanted it because I wanted to be that person to be able to like, here's, here's what's going on. 
I like being that point person, not for this subject, yeah. but in a weird way, like I was, I was glad and happy to be that person, but I don't think I should have put as much on myself as I did. It's nice to have a role, right? Especially yeah. after something tragic or traumatic, that is a natural place to want to go, have something to grasp onto and to cling to. And yet, as you said, I was trying to cling to something. Yeah. Yeah. It. It was just rough and poor Steven. He didn't know what to do. He was doing his best, like trying to keep my head above water. Mm -hmm. And like you guys. I mean, you guys are the reason that I didn't completely break down (laughs) and have to take a trip to Holly Hill. (laughs) But. I think after the hardest part after getting the phone call was her funeral because it's COVID. You, yeah. What are you going to do? Everything's restricted. I understand it. But with a funeral, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, I this was the height of COVID yeah. funerals being limited in capacity. Yep. And I think at that time it was like 25, like 25 people could be there. I remember them fielding people, right, to sort yeah. of say, hey, you can come and you can come. We only have space for this many people. Yeah. And I had spent a lot of time with her dad going to the games, the Panthers games, with Hannah and him and the family. I had never met her mom in person. I had, like, talked through speakerphone, like, I knew I knew who she was, but I had never met her in person. Yeah. And when we walked in to the funeral home, I mean, we're just kind of standing there because we don't know what to do. Right. And everybody has a mask on. And you're like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. And I immediately recognized him. We hugged. And then Beverly, her mom, was clearly in shock, as anyone would be, but she still was like greeting everyone that blows my mind how you could be that again that strong again a role you have to play i mean she was she was doing it in spite of all of that grief but she came up to me and steven and we were just like you know saying who we were and she just like she gasped Mm. she was like you're tori and steven and i just started bawling yeah i can imagine it all clicked right then because she just started telling us like how much like Hannah <laughs> like how much she like loved me and Stephen and how and Beverly was just saying like how we really helped her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how we made like a difference in her life and she felt like she she already knew us and it, it was reliving it all over again yeah yeah and I I could I couldn't stop crying. and I just like, I know we weren't supposed to hug people, but I fucking did it. <laughs> Screw COVID. At that point, I, I entered fuck it mode completely. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And I can imagine people would get that. And, you know, in the line of work that I do, I, I get really, I am lucky enough to get to hear stories from a variety of individuals. And many of them do work in these fields where they experience death often. And what I will hear and have heard multiple people say now that it is not the death that actually hits them the hardest. It is the cries and the despair of the parents or of the loved ones that gets them 
that, that is yeah. what sticks with them more than the actual potential death or loss of life because you're trained. You can't, right? We're humans, right? We can't fully yeah. be trained to deal with death, but you can to a degree because it is inevitable, yeah. but it's the despair, right? That comes from loved ones. So when you said the minute you saw our friend's mom and it clicked for her who these people were in her daughter's life, you just lost it. And because it, obviously I know we're friends and I, I felt connected to her, but to have her mom mm-hmm. say that, mm-hmm. it just, it hit that much harder because like, oh, so this person felt that our relationship was strong enough that she frequently shared like what we did and just who we were to her, to her family. Mm-hmm. She hadn't even met us and she knew who we were like that. It's like, God damn it, Hannah. Like, but after the funeral, <laughs> do you remember anything about how you felt or what you did? You know, you mentioned for those of you who are familiar or unfamiliar with the quote unquote stages of grief, they're not actually stages. They're very fluid paths that you enter. So there's, you know, anger, depression, denial, you know, the last one that we eventually think we'd like to get to would be acceptance which you know sounds there so which you just sort of answered my point of you know acceptance isn't being okay with a death I think we sometimes confuse that it's acknowledging that there has been a death yeah I mean if if that's the case yes I can acknowledge it and sort of accept reality that they are gone yeah how long do you feel like it took you to get there a long time I mean to, for it to fully sink in, it probably took a couple months. And I think, trying to remember, it It sounds kind of funny when I say it now, but me and Steven were, I think, at home. And Ariana Grande came on. Mm-hmm. And one of the last concerts we went to was Ariana Grande, just her and I. And so I think I started bawling to thank you next. What a uh, <laughs> dichotomy there. Yeah, I was like, okay, uh, couldn't couldn't keep it in. And that just kind of spiraled into an evening of ugly crying. It sounds like you needed it. Yeah, it, I mean, it felt good. But and I do I do want to reiterate here that with my question, it was a little close ended by mm-hmm. saying and expecting that you had gotten there. Yeah, you know. It is absolutely reasonable, too, for any of us to, I don't know when I got there, because I think with COVID, it was really difficult to accept that somebody was dead and not that we just couldn't see them because it was COVID. Well, and you're not, you're not doing your normal things. You're not Mm -hmm. running around with your normal crew, going to boxcar on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't seem as real and it probably won't. Until we go back to Boxcar for the first time, because that was our Sunday. Everybody meet up for Dollar Mimosas. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, if y'all are familiar with, with Raleigh, we've talked about it once, at least <laughs> once before on this podcast about... I think the, it was Katie. Yes, with what comes with this place that we have here, this arcade. And there were a lot of memories of bebopping around downtown Raleigh that have Hannah in them. Yeah, that was our that was our hangout. So I think... The first time we all go back there, it is going to be a mess. Yeah. Yeah. There's no getting around that. Is there a different way that you would have put it? You know, I'm sort of 
boiling it down and simplifying this saying, oh, I've, I've been better. And there's so many other ways to put that. But how would you phrase how you were doing after Hannah died? I mean, bad. Just bad. <laughs> I, That's good. Because I wasn't, you know, when you're super upset, you're not eating like you're supposed to. Drink way too much. Mm-hmm. Like, let's numb this. That'll be good. This is a great idea. Denial. It wasn't a good idea. <laughs> it, I didn't. I just handled it very poorly. I don't think there's a right way to handle it. Yeah, but... I was about to say, you know, who says? You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Being a professional in grief counseling, I absolutely could sit here and be like, could yeah. you have handled that differently in a more effective and helpful way? D- totally. Yeah. Who the heck also <laughs> has a plan for how to handle the death of someone you're close with? Like, no. There's no plan. I think after, like, everybody was super great. Our friends and family, everybody swarmed around us and provided all that love and comfort that they could. And it it, it felt good. You know, sometimes it you're just numb. Mm-hmm. But it it was definitely amazing to see that support. But as you continue, as things start to go down, like go by, a couple weeks go by, a couple months go by, I still wasn't doing better. And people would ask, like, how are you? Oh, my God. Like, I'm not good. And I I was very honest about that. Like, maybe too honest. But I would (laughs) just. No such thing. I would word vomit. I was like, no, I'm doing shitty. This is why I'm doing shitty. I'm still sad about Hannah. I'm not okay. And people, I don't think a lot of people were ready for that level of honesty, mm-hmm. like still going a couple months. And because we'd like to live in la la land, right? Like, okay, you had a funeral, right? You've moved on, you've grieved, we're yeah. good. That's not how death works. I could actively see people getting bored with my grief, I guess. Mm-hmm. I could because people would ask and I would tell them and I kind of see their eyes glaze over like, ooh, I didn't want you to tell me that much. I'm just going to go now. Welcome to the premise of this podcast. Yeah. It I was like, guys, you asked. You wanted to know or you seemed like you did. And I didn't really want to know. And then I give you the answer and like, no, you're in this now. You have to have this conversation. <laughs> you are with good me. at that, right? You're good at getting into people's souls with their eyes and said oh you you're sitting down at the bar and you asked how I was get ready here we go you sounds like you were recognizing that people had good intentions to ask how you were and either weren't capable of having the emotional bandwidth to hold that story that you were about to share or to give back to you right the emotional engagement that you were looking for because you were still processing and grieving Mm -hmm. and those people were like oh boy they're like "Ooh, didn't mean to sign up for this level of conversation right but you're in front of me i'm gonna do it yeah it that part it pissed me off a little bit i started and that's when i started to get angry i'm like oh okay great that you're over it that's fucking fine but i'm not and it's okay that i'm not like i'm like i'm still angry about it Mm mm-hmm because, like, I still don't understand what happened. And I don't think we're never going to fully understand it. Like, new facts would come out, and I would just get more and more angry and then want to, like, express that. Mm-hmm. And But everybody, everybody's over it. 
what maybe other people had come to conclusions in their own head, right? And they weren't open to hearing any more about it. Which is fair. Yeah. And as you said, though, that doesn't mean the same has to be for you. You know, the deaths that I've experienced, I've absolutely been there where it comes in waves. And especially in that first year after the death of someone, you know, I would be out. It looks like everything's fine. You know, we don't wear a star on our forehead or a line that says, I'm still grieving, leave me alone. You know, it's we attempt to incorporate ourselves back into our daily routines and our lives and quote unquote get a sense of normalcy and then someone asks you hey how are you you're like well I'm actually doing pretty shitty you know I've I've been better and Mm -hmm. this is why and you learn to navigate who do I tell who's actually in a position to hear about this who's not and being angry is very appropriate Mm -hmm. you can attest to me being angry at you and a variety of our friends after the death of my dad because you, no one knows how to handle it unless they've been through it themselves. And that's to no fault of their own. It's just the reality of it. Well, and it, it's, it is the reality of it. And it's not easy for anyone. And I'll never completely understand your grief. In the same way that you'll, you're not in my head, you'll never completely understand mine. Yeah. And the relationship you had with Hannah was yours mm-hmm. and yours alone. And that's, that's something that I have to make peace with and carry with me and find a way to live with it. But little things still come up. For example, uh, we were Skype, uh, not Skyping. We don't do that <laughs> shit anymore. It was you mean Zoom. chat rouletteing? I'm just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a terrible memory. Uh, it, we were doing Zoom because I don't fucking use Skype. <laughs> We were chatting with our friends in, that live in China, friends from home, and we also had some friends from Raleigh on the call. They just had a baby, so they're chilling at home. We were talking to them, and they didn't know about mm. the Hannah situation, and I started talking about it, and Stephen, we have discussed this. It is fine now, but Stephen... He was scared I was going to break down and lose, lose my shit again. So the moment that I started talking about Hannah, he just went, oh, Tori. And you're like, don't after silence the, my grief. After the call, we had a bit of an argument. <laughs> but that, that part still sticks with me. This, the, way, the way he said it. And like, I'm just trying to talk. About this, I am not crying. I don't plan to at the moment. I'm not trying to make it all about me. I think Ben had actually asked about that. That's how it came up. But to be dismissed, kind of, Mm -hmm. when somebody's asking me how I am and you don't want to deal with the fallout, that made me feel like absolute shit. Yeah. Like I can't be upset. Everybody else can compartmentalize and put it away, but I'm not ready. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Don't tell me to shut up. Well, you were doing a very brave thing, right? By attempting to be very honest and transparent and other people who either aren't at that place yet or don't know how to cope with that can, yeah, be dismissive. And I know that I, I know I can be a little abrasive with how forward I am about feelings and being in a quote-unquote open book 
that rubs people the wrong way sometimes. I get that. But I was talking to some of my oldest and closest friends. Mm-hmm. Give me this space. Yeah. It's, again, we have discussed it in a healthy way. <laughs> it is fine now. But I appreciate the transparency here of saying that there were plenty of moments following the death of your friend and our friend that has stuck with you mm-hmm. about when you really felt at your lowest. And it little things like what we just discussed about the Zoom call, just it's like another little punch. Yeah. Like, kick me while I'm down. That seems fun. I remember the first birthday we celebrated after. Oh, yeah. After the, you know, what do I want to just after she died? Mm-hmm. And most birthdays now come with this slight stabbing. What's the word I want to use? Righteous, this reminder that there's somebody missing. I think, I think Jessica was the one that turned to us at that gathering, which is like, Hannah should be here. And you're like, like, well, somebody had to say it. Yeah. I mean, it it needed to be said, but because we were all feel like a knife to the heart. Oh, totally. And we were all thinking it. How can you not? I mean, this was somebody who was around often. Every event. Yeah. Large or small. Mm -hmm. Like a a staple of the friend group. Somebody who you think is going to be permanent. Yeah. You don't ever think about when you're young them not being there anymore yeah in such a tragic fucking way yeah so th- there's no coming back from that you can mm-hmm. move on but it it's definitely something that has changed me maybe not completely as a person but there's i think a part of me that's kind of hardened there's signs to support that yeah. that death and grief changes you yeah there, there are some ways that I've kind of closed myself off, not, not to a super noticeable extent, but to me, mm-hmm. in some situations, I try to choose my words a little more carefully for fear of, of that rejection, right. of being dismissed, and for what the words that are coming my, out of my mouth not to be listened to. So it's like, don't waste your fucking breath. And that, that's... Not an awesome way to think. Yeah. It. I mean, it's getting better. A little bit every day, but it's it's never going to be the same. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I've had to get super comfy with. Yeah. How are you today? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm okay. I think I'm just talking about this again. Like, I I know I teared up earlier. But, yeah, I talked to Steven last night, and I had a good little cry about it because I knew it, it's heavy. Crying is so healthy. It's our oh, it felt great. biological, <laughs> most innate way to deal with stress. But it also, it's been a long week. It's so combined with bringing up a lot of memories that, I'm not sad to this, or not, how do I want to phrase this? I'm not ashamed of them. Mm-hmm. And I want to think about them. It just still hurts. And I think it's always going to hurt a little bit. The hurt will subside. 
you know, there's an analogy for grief that it's like standing in the ocean and eventually the waves stop taking you out. The waves of grief, you do at some point learn to ride them. And so they get less painful, but they will always be noticeable. Oh yeah, I'm still standing there. Like it's, they're still hitting me, but I'm, I'm standing now. You're not getting knocked down every time. Yeah. And thankfully, my therapist has been a huge help to me. <laughs> when, Second plug for therapy. Uh, or probably yeah. third or fourth plug on this podcast. Now let's be real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she had a field day with that conversation, but in an in a appropriate way. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I, anyone who's had an experience with therapy, you know, sort of what that analogy could mean is that it, it's something tangible for therapists to work with is grief. Yeah. I didn't reach out to her as soon as I should have, but when I did, I was like, it's game time. I have a lot to say. <laughs> I am ready. Oh, she was here for it. Good. Good. Yeah. It's somebody that I could talk to that wouldn't dismiss me. <laughs> Literally her job to not yeah. dismiss you. I pay her the monies to do that. Very true. Very nice lady. In addition to going to therapy, what have you been doing? What are you doing? What would you like to start doing in taking care of yourself and continuing to grieve? I think I tried to throw myself into a lot of different activities to fill up time and to fill up the space in my head so I kind of put things on the back burner and could try to relax in some way took up a lot of little hobbies you know also in quarantine that's what happened <laughs> but and I started working out and then I just gave up I was like eh, fuck it yeah like I'm I'm over trying now I'm just gonna be a lazy piece of shit well for a while it you, felt great though you know a positive <laughs> reappraisal of that is not you weren't being lazy. You were grieving and that makes yeah. you tired and puts you out. And yeah. it sounds like you were saying, you know, you thought throwing yourself into activities, although really good intention and is not a negative necessarily, doing it for the wrong reasons to avoid feeling. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. Right. Some of them stuck around, my little little hobbies, but therapy has been extremely helpful. And having having you guys, having my close friends that you know, I can come to you like, hey, I got a bitch for at least like 10 minutes and vent. And you guys are here for it. That That is friends or family. Mm -hmm. My friends are my family. And you guys know that. Yeah. So having that that other family dynamic to kind of prop me up when I'm not really doing a good job at doing that myself mm -hmm. has been instrumental in me bouncing back, if you will. But... I mean, I would like to, to work out for real. That would probably help a lot of things. <laughs> it can. It is, again, a really good way to deal with stress and to yeah. move feelings through your body, right? They don't just poof and go away when you yeah. don't deal with them. I have to be told what to do, though, in that oh, arena. Know. So We'll get you an instructor, take you to a Zumba class. Yeah, just tell me what to do. I don't want to have to think about it. <laughs> Absolutely. One thing I've wanted and gotten the inspiration of wanting to incorporate into this podcast is asking people not only what it is that they're doing to take care of themselves or what they'd like to be doing, but if you could think about it for a second, what is one line, piece of advice, something someone has said in your life that has stuck with you? And it can have to do with what we've been talking about, or it could be totally different. 
that's hard to think of something to pinpoint it, but I guess listen to understand, not to respond. Mm-hmm. And Hannah was that type of person that would listen intently to what you're saying. And that's something that I've, I've tried to do more because sometimes we're not great at it. I try to do that more because I don't, I don't want to miss the little things because mm-hmm. it's, it's the little things, the little conversations, the little memories that I don't want to miss. So I just need to shut the fuck up and listen <laughs> so that I can retain as much as I possibly can. It sounds like you want to be present. Yeah. That's something that I've been trying to work on and I feel like it, it makes it makes me a better friend, but it also quiets everything up here in my head from overthinking. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm actively listening and taking in information, not just milling it around in my head to just blurt out something. So I think it's it, something that I'm, I'm actively working on. Yeah. I think that's great. It makes me think about something my dad used to say to me because I, I still have a mouth. I had a really strong one as a child. Yeah, you that's that's you got that. And my dad used to say to me, you can't listen with your mouth open. Mhm. I mean, that's true. Right. And you know, like I guess you could, you just hang your mouth there, but the point well, was Well, if you wear a mask, nobody's going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And it sounds like something that you've taken from your friendship with Hannah specifically, you and her. Yeah. Your yours, y'all's relationship was you felt that she listened and that's something that you want to take away. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want anyone to feel like they're not heard. I want people to feel understood. If, if I'm involved and can do that for someone, I want them to feel like I am listening and giving them that piece of care that I can provide. Mm -hmm. It's the smallest thing I could do. Just listen. And it's amazing. It's amazing how, much of a difference that makes yeah well Tori thank you for you and I have talked about this so many times and we were both there (laughs) we were both there that day and you know this this has been something that I think all of us within our friend group absolutely have been better about yeah and I wanted to give you the space to share your perspective because of how close you were to Hannah and so in memory of her and also just knowing that that was a huge moment in the past year where you have absolutely been better. And yep. And I really appreciate you feeling like you could talk about it. No, thank you. This it's very therapeutic to do this. It, I always want to talk about it. So thank you. You're so welcome. You know, I, I want to say too, that I think our friendship has grown stronger through the various deaths and losses, not just including deaths of people, but losses of various items or things or experiences in our lives and so I'm grateful for you and it's been a year it's that's putting it light well thank you so much Tori I love you thank Thanks, you for Suze. being on love you too thank you for listening to I've been better I'm your host Susan Youngstead please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've been better dot pod